Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 431. Really make sure you know your why. Know why you're on LinkedIn, what you're trying to accomplish, who is your target audience, what are your keywords, and know that before you even start to write your about section. Have you looked at your LinkedIn profile lately? You probably know it could be a little bit better. In fact, too many LinkedIn users are just posting a basic resume and hoping for the offers to come flooding in and missing out on the incredible opportunity that the platform offers to properly showcase your talent, products, and services. Well, today, we're going to fix that. Hi, I'm Jeff Brown, and this is the Read to Lead podcast, the podcast that's dedicated to your personal and professional growth. How do we live that out here on Read to Lead each week? Well, I interview an author about one of their books and pull out the key insights and main ideas all in about 30 to 45 minutes. Today, that author is Donna Serdula. She's written a book called LinkedIn Profile Optimization for Dummies. We're going to talk about things like optimizing your profile photo, upgrading your about section, identifying your LinkedIn goal, and a lot more. Hey, if you noticed an issue with last week's episode, like you downloaded it and expected to hear Tim Shore, and instead you heard again the episode from the week before, Noah St. John, that's not you, it's me. For a couple of days last week, everything was right about last week's episode from an appearance standpoint. The only problem was when you went to go listen to it, it wasn't the episode you were expecting. That has since been fixed. So if you did download episode 430, expecting to hear from Tim Shore and his book, The Secret Society of Success, and that's not what you heard when you started to play it, all you need to do is delete that episode from your podcast player and re-download it, and now you'll hear the right episode. My apologies to Tim. I want to make sure you don't miss out on that conversation with Tim and learn more about his book because it's definitely worth your time. And thank you to everyone who pointed that mistake out to me so I could fix it as soon as possible. I also just want to thank you for being here. Whether you're new or whether you've been here for a while, this weekend marks the ninth anniversary of the Read to Lead podcast, nine years and counting. I hope you find these interviews helpful and insightful each and every week. And again, I'm just so thankful that you take the time to listen. I really appreciate it. You know, there may have been times in the past when you've taken notes from episodes of mine you've listened to, or maybe you've purchased the book that an author wrote and you took notes on that. And then later you realized, what did I do with those notes? Or gosh, I, I know where they are, but I just never go back to them. I, I mean to get around to doing something with those notes. And maybe that happens again and again and again. And you wonder at some point, why do I keep taking notes and then not doing anything with those notes? Well, that used to be me. And you can't read as much as I do without eventually finding a way to fix that. <laughs> and I have found a way to fix that. In fact, I'm walking 20 people right now through that process. Tonight is our last of five sessions in the first ever note-making mastery cohort. We walk through helpful methods for collecting and capturing your notes from many different sources like books and podcasts and videos and articles. We learn how to connect new ideas with old ideas that often lead to tremendous breakthroughs. We learn the process of distilling our notes to their essence and expanding on them by adding our own unique ideas. And then finally, how to make use of those notes, how to execute on those notes, which is the reason you took them in the first place, right? 
Well, if you'd like to know about our next note-making mastery cohort, you can get your name on the notifications list when you go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash list. Just put your name and email address there in the form, and you'll be among the first notified. Again, that place to go is readtoleadpodcast.com slash list to put your name on the notifications list for our next note-making mastery cohort happening this fall. Donna Serdula is the leading authority on LinkedIn profile optimization. Try to say that five times real fast. Her company, Vision Board Media, provides branding services to individual and corporate clients. And she's also an in-demand speaker. And her latest book uh, came out in 2020, I believe, is called LinkedIn Profile Optimization for Dummies. Hi, Donna. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. Hey, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I would imagine that most people are like I was for most of my uh, working life, and that is not thinking too awfully much about what's my LinkedIn strategy. (laughs) Why should this be the first thing we think about with regard to our profile? And how do we go about, Donna, determining what that strategy should be? Yeah. You know, I think most people look at LinkedIn and they only see it in one direction. And that direction they see it is this is my online resume mm-hmm. and recruiters are going to reach me via my 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 profile. And that's the wrong way to look at it because it's so much more than a resume. If you mm-hmm. think about it, a resume should just align you to a very specific next position. It should be accomplishment-based, quantifiable, and very, very aligned to where you want to go. That is a resume in a nutshell. The LinkedIn profile is public and everybody and anybody can see it. It should act more as a digital introduction of first impression. It should tell your story. It should get people interested. And many people aren't on LinkedIn just for job search. So to copy and paste a resume. And and by the way, Jeff, I don't know if, if this resonates with you or your audience, but most resumes are out of date <laughs> by, right. by a lot. So to have that represent you is it's going to hinder you. It's it's mm-hmm. it's not the right way of of positioning yourself for opportunity. So that right there is is the reason. One, it's mm-hmm. not your resume. People are on it for so much more than just job search. There's a slew of opportunities. But if you're not aligned for them, you're going to miss them. I know one of the things I was thinking about this week as I was reading your book and preparing for this interview, I'm like, oh my gosh, is she going to go and look at my LinkedIn profile before we talk? I need to, I need to look at it and make sure it's, it's, it's decent. <laughs> do you typically do that before you go on an interview like this? Oh, I do. I do. I always, and, and normally I have it pulled up right here. So I am looking at it oh, no. at the exact same uh, time. So right now I'm going to pull it up because oh I had it up there and I had taken it down. I'm putting it up right now. Well, maybe we'll get into critiquing that in, in just a moment. Um, but speaking of doing things the wrong way, I like your take on and your philosophy on endorsements and recommendations. Uh, Should we be asking uh, for these from those in our network or is there a better way uh, to to go about that? You know, Jeff, and I'm so glad you started off with that because so few people ever talk about it anymore. Mm. At one time, it was such a huge aspect of LinkedIn was getting those recommendations, having those recommendations. And LinkedIn had pulled out the recommendations section from their profile meter. So there, 
when you join LinkedIn, it says, oh, you're a beginner. <laughs> and then you add a few things, then it's, oh, you're at the intermediate status. And then you get to expert. And then from there, you become all-star. And at all-star, it disappears. It's no longer showing. You you have reached the pinnacle within the LinkedIn realm. Mm-hmm. At one time, in order to reach that all-star status, you needed to have three recommendations. But LinkedIn started to realize that there were some, there were certain things holding people back. And so they pulled that out. They pulled out uh, the education component, which was for me a real cheerleader moment because Mm. a lot of people don't have degrees from universities or colleges. Mm. And that was a big issue. You know, not having a degree, you couldn't get all-star. That's that's a shame. Mm. But they also pulled out the recommendation aspect. They required three recommendations. Mm. And so people had this desire, this need to get those three recommendations. And they were they were going about it. They were getting it. As soon Mm. as they pulled it out of the all the 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 all-star people stopped. So now when you look at people's profiles, you often see these really out of date recommendations. Mm. They're from 2012. <laughs> yeah, that's what I have. <laughs> yeah. And and it's a shame because in my mind, that recommendation section is so important. It's a testimonial and it's your chance to brag without having to brag. Right. It's someone else bragging for you. Someone else saying, hey, this is someone you need to listen to. So what I would love to challenge your audience with is not to ask anyone for a recommendation, mm. but to go out and start giving recommendations. Give a recommendation without anyone asking. Go to their profile, click on more, go down to you know, provide a recommendation and state, this is how this person impacted me, mm. our organization. This is what this person did that was really special. It was inspirational. It was impressive. And just lob it out there to the universe. You know, I, now that you mentioned it, I, I think most of the recommendations I've given over the years, first, it's it's been a while. It's been a while since I've gotten one. It's been a while since I've given one, is to your point. Uh, but I think virtually every one I've ever given was one I was asked to give. Yeah. Uh, so, so your 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 point is is well is well taken. I, I think that's something I need to put on my task list <laughs> to do and start start handing those out to those I've worked with in the past and and just blessing them with a little surprise. You know, <laughs> and you will be surprised at how they react. Mm. They are going to be so touched. And it's it's just that little bit of karma that's mm-hmm. going to come back to you in, in, in odd and different ways. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily from that exact person, yeah. but it's it's one of those things. It's a good thing to do. And I would even I would go so far as to say, give a recommendation once a month. Put it out there. And and if you think about this, I, I think your audience, they, they want, they know that there's something more out there for them. They want to keep moving forward. They want mm. to accomplish things. They want, they want to climb that ladder. And if you think about it, do leaders ask for recommendations or do they give them? Leaders give them. Well, in part two of the book, you begin with suggestions for optimizing some of the behind the scenes sections. And when I first saw that phrase, I thought, gee, I wonder what what that means. What what are some of the behind the scenes bits of information that we that we might be neglecting? Very few people when they when they look at the LinkedIn profile, that's that's the profile, right? That's that's what they see is what what you get. Yeah. But if you go into the me icon in the upper right hand corner of the LinkedIn desktop, it's on the left hand side if you're on the mobile app. And and I've got to tell you, more people use the mobile app than the desktop, which I don't think is hard, you know, hard to understand or, mm-hmm. or a surprise, but at the same time, very few people really consider it. But if you go to the me icon and you go down to a privacy and settings, 
This is the behind the scenes. And there are so many little areas, little tweaks, little things that you can do that will make a difference. Um, you know, one of the things that I always turn off when my when I'm working with my clients, I turn this off almost immediately. And that is when you look at your profile on the right-hand side, it says people also viewed. Mm. So if you are, you know, think about it, like maybe if you are a project manager or you're somewhere within an organization, maybe you're in the operations role, you know, if you have that there and a recruiter is looking at you, these are all the other people that that recruiter can look at. Right. (laughs) You know, you flip it to maybe an entrepreneur, someone who's a service provider. And you have that little, you know, people also viewed. Mm. It's your competitors, most likely. I hadn't thought about it, though. You're exactly right. <laughs> so turn it off. Just yeah. turn that thing off. It's, it's, it's nestled in the, in, the, in the settings section. Mm. But turn it off. Make it a little harder for people to, you know, basically, it's not maybe make it harder, but just say, like, let's help keep their focus on you. Right. Right. It's like, you know, sending an email and wanting people to take an action to maybe seek out something you're offering them to purchase, but then having six links in the email that go to other stuff, listen to my podcast and this and that. Uh, I learned long ago, if you want people to do one thing, tell them one thing. If you want them to do nothing, tell them two things. <laughs> so so take. I totally agree with you. Take all those other people off. We don't want you looking at those folks. Well, I, I have often been amazed and, and not in a good way, Donna, uh, at some of the profile pictures I've seen on LinkedIn. Uh, what would you say are some of the rules of thumb that we we should consider? I would say this: make sure your face fills <laughs> the entire circle. Thank you. That that's you know you. I want to get you as close to your audience as possible. I want to bridge that distance, uh, especially because when you think how many people are using the mobile app and how small and reduced mm-hmm. that image is, even more from the yeah. desktop experience, it, it needs to fill that. Your face needs to fill the circle. I don't want a lot of shoulder. I do not want any elbows and I totally do not want any knees or or ankles in this photograph. Or other people, right? (laughs) Oh, I remember when I, when I first really started doing this, it was like 2009 and I was doing these presentations and I I remember saying, you know, a professionally taken headshot is the way to go. And Mm. this one guy raised his his hand and he's like, I haven't got a professionally taken headshot. And we pull up his profile and it's him and a sliver of like his his daughter in like a bridal veil. And I'm like, this is, this was taken at a wedding by a professional (laughs) photographer. (laughs) Yeah. The right idea, but yeah. (laughs) So, so, so we don't want sliver slivers of people. We don't want any logos. We want this to be you. Uh, We want you to look as good as possible. You don't, it doesn't have to be a glamor shot by any means, but it does, it does need to convey who you are today. So I would say every three years, consider getting a new, a new, new photo. If you can swing it. And I think most people can Mm. somehow in people's minds, they're like, I can't afford a professional headshot. It's too much. How do you know? Have you, have you called around? Have you, have you gotten the actual Mm. price point of what it would cost you? I think you'd be absolutely shocked. I also think you'd be absolutely shocked at how good you look when a professional (laughs) takes your headshot. Mm. And it's one of those things where when you have a headshot, just like a bio, when you have a bio, you use it all the time and you, and for things that you never even thought you would use it for. Yeah. My headshot 
uh, made it to the back of my book, and I'm so glad that I had it. I, I was at a conference, and, and I, I'm due for an update. So it's been four years. So I've grayed a little more. I've got different glasses. You know, the, the beard's a little wider than it used to be. All that. But I was at a conference, and they offered this this option. They had partnered with a photographer, and you could get a little 15 minute booking. And she took, you know, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 photos, something like that. I could not have been more pleased with yeah. the results. Two shots in particular, I use on LinkedIn and the book and everywhere else I, I, I can think of, uh, and just 125 bucks. And that's, that is very affordable. That's a no brainer. You know, and, and for just a little bit more, you could have had an hour session. Yeah. You know, so, and you might have had a couple different clothing changes. Um, I, I, I have no affiliation with this company. I have no affiliation. Honestly, they should buy me a car. (laughs) I've sent their way. Um, But headshotcrew.com has consistently impressed me, not only in the quality of their photographers, but also in their own philanthropy. Uh, they, They give free headshots to job seekers. I believe it's like once a year, they do, they do this all day mm. across the country, uh, you know, giveaway where, mm. you know, any, any, any uh, job seeker can come in and we'll get a headshot for free. Wow. Um, so I really love this company. It's headshotcrew.com. It's headed up by Peter Hurley, who is a world famous uh, photographer. Mm. And what I love so much about them is you go in, you type in your, 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 your city, your state, they'll give you a list of photographers and all of them have gone through his, his school. They've been, they've wow. been coached in the Peter Hurley method. And the Peter Hurley method is this it's, it's bye-bye 1980s, 1990s headshot photography. That's stodgy and stuffy and mm. awkward where you're sort of balancing your, your chin on your <laughs> fist. <laughs> You're right. sitting ever so awkwardly on a stool. <laughs> mm. He's he's basically taken uh, that that the headshot philosophy of actors and models and brought it into the business world. And they're saying, let's let's photograph you like you are your product, mm. and it's amazing. So if you're looking for a headshot, that's the place to go. Awesome. I'm sure a lot of people struggle with their about section. There there's so much. You can write there. You can say too much. You certainly say too little. But writing about ourselves is is not something that that comes naturally to many of us. How yeah. how can we best create a great first impression on LinkedIn with that about section? Or is that the place to do it? You know, it is the place to do it. It's it's the very first large amount of content that LinkedIn requires, right. because before that is really just your headline which is very important. And let's definitely make sure that we (laughs) circle back to the headline. Um, But the about section, this is where people go to figure out who you are, what you do, why you do it, who who you represent, you know, who do you support, all of that stuff. And I would say this, really make sure you know your why. Know, Know why you're on LinkedIn, what you're trying to accomplish, who is your target audience, what are your keywords. And know that before you even start to write your about section, because mm-hmm. what I find more often is that people just get in there and like normally they copy and paste an old bio, their old resume, mm-hmm. or they might just start writing something. And it's important to know who your target audience is and what they need to know about you, because otherwise you get this misalignment. So with mm-hmm. professionals, oftentimes if they're in the sales aspect of of the company they'll talk about how they love to prospect how they're you know uh, you know into solution selling and and they're not afraid to ask for the check 
but they're not looking for a job. And so suddenly they're alienating their, their prospects. Mm. Right. Um, or on, on the flip side, you know, I'll see someone who is an executive who, who really spent time creating a, an about section that speaks to who they are and what they want, but it was written five years ago. Mm. And so suddenly they're wondering why they're getting pigeonholed. It's because they branded themselves so perfectly for the role that they have. Mm. So it's really important to be future forward in your thinking there, but ultimately write it in first person, write it with the desire to seem human, to be human and, and, and really open up and, and say, you know, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is how I help. This is why I do it. And this is what it means to my audience. You know, as I think about my about section, I think it's basically expounding upon the jobs that I've had, the positions I've held, the accomplishments I've made, stuff that's already there in other formats. And it's just me talking about that stuff more in depth. And there's very little of the non-work side, but yeah. there's, there's more to us than just our, our jobs. How can we best reflect our non-work side on, on LinkedIn? And why is that important to do? Yeah, and that's that's part of the about section as well. That's that's mm. that's where you can really put in. You know, this is how I help my community. This is what I enjoy doing on my downtime. There's there's what I love so much about the about section is it is it's just this big open field, and you can take it whichever way you want. But what I want, <laughs> so take it whichever way you want. But really think in terms of why are you on. So if you're on it because you're looking for that next position, I don't want you to brand yourself as a desperate job seeker. It's not like you have to say, I'm looking for my next opportunity. Recruiters contact me because any recruiter worth his or her weight is, you know, if you are the perfect fit, they're going to contact you no matter what. So it's not like you have to welcome them in, Right. but, you know, align yourself to that job description, like look to see what people are looking for and then say to yourself, okay, how can I describe myself that really aligns and reflects that I'm the perfect candidate. Mm. If you're an entrepreneur, oftentimes what I see is entrepreneurs will say, I am my business. So I'm going to only talk about my business. I'm going mm. to talk about our services and our products. And you've got your first experience. You got your company page. You got your website to do that. A person is there on your profile to know who you are and why they should be paying attention to you. So that's the story that you're going to want to tell. In the past, I have been slow to uh, do things like follow certain groups or, or other companies. Maybe I follow some influencers pretty liberally, but companies and groups I seem to follow less frequently. I'm not quite sure why, but but how how important is it that we that we follow some of those things on LinkedIn? Do we need to? Is there some advantages yeah. to doing that? There, there, there are. Um, there, there's actually two reasons <laughs> specifically. Mm. One, when you follow a company or an influencer, a school, a group, those show up at the very bottom of your profile, almost as a beacon to say, "Hey, this is this is this is what I like." Mm. You know, this is and and people when they're really qualified and they truly want to learn more about you, they are going to scroll to the bottom and they're going to look and they're going, "Oh, he also likes Tony Robbins." This is awesome. Like this is one of my guys. This is someone I can I can get, you know, I like. So there isn't a brand component to it. But at the same time, LinkedIn and this is this is funny, Jeff. You know, at one time, LinkedIn was the only network out there where you could put up a fabulously strong, beautiful, optimized profile and then do nothing 
and still get tremendous amounts of success. Mm. It was it was a beautiful thing. But LinkedIn also realized that, you know, I think they were acquired by Microsoft and they really started to see all of these other networks starting to pop up. And they realized that if they wanted to go the long haul, they needed to make that homepage sticky and they needed more people to keep coming back, not just recruiters. And they started to put a lot more effort into their LinkedIn feed. The mm. LinkedIn feed is when you open up the, the LinkedIn app, what you're looking at is the LinkedIn feed. It's all of the people in your network talking, networking, posting. Mm. Um, it's, it's there also on the homepage of the desktop experience. And so LinkedIn wants this to be sticky for the longest of time. And I say this because a lot of times people are stuck on the old impression of what LinkedIn used to be. And they'd go to that homepage and it was people connecting with other people, people updating their profile, people joining groups. It was the most boring feed <laughs> in the entire world. <laughs> it's not like that anymore. Mm. It's not like that. LinkedIn is really working hard. And so when you follow a company, not only do you now subscribe to their feed, but you're also conveying to LinkedIn, hey, this is something that I have interest in. Mm. When you follow an influence or you follow a person, suddenly LinkedIn has an idea of what, what interests you. And you'll start to find the more you fine tune your feed by liking and following and connecting um, and following hashtags as well, that you're going to get a really unique customized experience and you're going to stick around. You're going to pay attention to it as you engage with that content. And you're going to find that networking in your pajamas, potentially late at night or early in the morning is very easy and fun. There was a time when I noticed a, pro a proliferation, if I can get that word out, of people who were publishing on LinkedIn. I don't know that I see as much of that now. Maybe it's because of who I'm following or not following. Maybe it's just as prevalent as it always was, or it feels like some of that has been transferred to like Substack or Medium or some of these other yeah. places. What about publishing content on LinkedIn? Are we at a disadvantage if we if we don't do that? You know, it depends on how how you define publishing content. Okay. So at one time, you're absolutely correct. Uh, you could publish articles on LinkedIn and man, that went right through your network and you were getting clicks and views and interaction. And it was, it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. The LinkedIn algorithm changes. And so just as it boosted those articles at one point, then videos came and they started to boost the videos and then polls came. And now they're really boosting polls. I mean, if you post a poll, you're going to get thousands of hits. It's, mm -hmm. it's just the, the, I don't know, ephemeral quality or the, <laughs> the capricious quality maybe of the LinkedIn um, algorithm. So you can still create articles on LinkedIn. And what's beautiful is it stays on, it's attached to your profile and it's almost evergreen and it's, mm. it's staying power. So when you post, when you publish an article, you can continue to post the link to that article over and over and over again, because it's not the article that's going out. It's a link to the article that resides on your profile. Right. The only problem with that is LinkedIn really doesn't want people to leave the LinkedIn feed. Even though they're still within the LinkedIn domain, they just don't give a lot of boost Okay. to those posts. So as you scroll through, you'll see there's not a lot of article links, or if there are, they're not getting a, a huge amount of hits. Mm -hmm. And the same thing goes for the articles. So 
my my thing is this: if you have a blog blog <laughs> on, right. on your website, you can certainly create. Um, maybe a blurb of the blog, you know, the first paragraph or two and, and put it as an article. So it's on your profile. So people have a way of getting back to it and they, they start to see that you are creating. That's a lot of work. You know, you have to weigh it to determine if it makes sense, but I, I, I think it's a good way of going. And then you have to decide, you know, post a few articles and see what it's like, but recognize the hits aren't great. I have a couple of questions, Don, I want to ask that aren't directly related to your book. Uh, but before I do that, anything I've not asked that you want to make sure people know about? So there's, there's two things. Um, just to continue with what we were talking about, I don't want people to think that articles are you know, totally dead, but posts on LinkedIn have gotten longer. In fact, it's 3,000 characters. Mm. So those articles that you might want to be writing, you can actually put into your post. That makes sense. And the longer the post, it activates the dwell time aspect of the LinkedIn algorithm, mm. which means the longer a person is, is dwelling on the post, that conveys relevance and quality. So that's a way of thinking about it is I've got articles inside of me. You don't have to create it <laughs> so much as an article. You can post it. It's a little bit shorter lifespan, but you mm. may find that you get a lot more eyes and it's absolutely worth it. The other thing that we didn't talk about that I feel is so important is the LinkedIn headline. Mm, and right. that's at the top of the profile. People think of it as resident only there, but it actually follows you. Everywhere you go, every little bit of activity you do, it's there. It's your picture, it's your name, it's it. that headline. Yeah. It's also highly sensitive for search. So you know, when I talk about the LinkedIn algorithm for the posting aspect, there's also the LinkedIn algorithm for the search. Mm. And LinkedIn likes to see keywords in that headline. And when those keywords match the keywords that a person is, you know, searching for, you're mm. more apt to show up, show up higher. And if it's engaging and interesting, people will click, they'll view your profile. So that's typically the missing link mm. to success on LinkedIn is that, is that strong headline. In addition to your book, and before I ask uh, these final questions, I want folks to know how they can get in touch with you. Where's the best place for them online? Assuming they want to follow up and maybe hire you to help them with their profile or, or what have you. You can certainly find me on LinkedIn, of course. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> but I would, I would say the, the better place to go first would be to my website, which is linkedin-makeover.com. And that's where you can find tons of free tools, of which I have a LinkedIn headline generator app, which is totally free. That's cool. And it helps you generate that strong headline. I also have other free tools. In fact, I'm in the midst of, of developing a LinkedIn post idea generator where you visit every day and we give you an idea of what to post on LinkedIn along with the hashtags, the three hashtags that you need to find you know, a really great audience for that, for that post. Um, but we also have all of our services and we help people in a myriad of ways. Um, and I'm one of those really weird people where I, I sort of figure let's, let's be really transparent. Let's outline the service and let's put the price right there so people can see it. Yeah. And I have my phone number. Anyone can call me. Cool. All right. Well, ring a ding ding here. Here they come. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me ask you about books. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that you read them every now and then. <laughs> every now and then. What would you say if you had to pick a title or two uh, or some of your favorite, your favorite book or favorite books that maybe you recommend from time to time? 
You know, I, I loved thinking grow rich by Napoleon Hill. Yeah. I know that's kind of a crazy one. Um, classic. It is, it, it is a classic. I've, I've got several versions of it, but I just bought a new copy of it just two weeks ago. You know, there's Kristen Sherry writes some amazing career books and I, I do love, mm. I love all of hers. I love Tim Ferriss. Mm-hmm. I already said, Anthony, <laughs> Tony Robbins. I just yeah. adore him. And I'm having a little bit of a, it's hold on, wait one second. I want to make sure I get the title right. It's right here. <laughs> It's the NCG. See, I was, I was like, do I have it in the right order? The NCG factor by Larry Kaufman. Okay. Um, he's actually a friend of mine and he is an amazing networker and he put everything down, how he networks, why it's important. And the book is just a, just a treasure trove of mm. tips and thoughts and secrets to push yourself out there. Even if you're an introvert. Mm, I love it. Love it. I'll ch- check that out. I was not familiar with that book. I always love uh, hearing the recommendations myself because I end up going and, and buying them and, and reading them. Um, last question uh, relates to that, and it, it's about note taking. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to know what, if anything, uh, you do to ensure that when you read, you're going to remember what you read. Like, what does your note taking process look like? You're taking notes by hand. You're taking notes in a digital app. Do you synthesize them later? Do you do anything to, to ensure that you're actually going to take what you've learned and put it into action? Like, what, what is that process basically like? I use, I, I love Evernote. So mm-hmm. I do, a, even when I'm not reading a book, but I'm, I'm on a website or I'm reading an article, I oftentimes take clips, either screenshots or snippets, and I save it to Evernote. That I, I love doing it that way. But I'm also, I really believe in the power of just the pen to paper. Mm-hmm. And for me to be able to just just jot, and, and I do this with my to-do lists. I do this when I journal. And to me, journaling is, is such an important part of my life just to get those thoughts and ideas out that it's, and I I recommend it when I talk to students, Mm -hmm. (laughs) young professionals, I often say, you know, really start just journaling and keeping, keeping track of this stuff. But I recently purchased a remarkable tablet. Do you have, are you a remarkable tablet guy? (laughs) You saw my jaw drop. Yes. I own one as well. (laughs) I I love my remarkable. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's wonderful. And it, to me, it's that's that's the other way. It's because mm. I, I felt bad for the environment. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was really for me, like the tipping point. Like you've got to you've got to invest in the in the uh, remarkable because I have so many tablets just filling up space. So I moved yeah. on to the remarkable, and I love it. I, I agree with you. I think there's uh, you know there's certain synapses in the brain that that fire when we when we take notes uh, that way. And I think it cements the learning in a lot of ways. Well, Donna's book again is called uh, LinkedIn Profile Optimization for Dummies. And it's one that you need to pick up, especially in this day and age where so much is in flux. And so many of us are thinking for the first time in a long time, am I really doing what I want to do? Is it time to, to make a change? You want to make sure that LinkedIn profile is ready to go. And Donna is the person that can help make sure that that happens. Donna, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate it. Jeff, thank you so much for having me. I have links to Donna's website and the books she recommended in case you want to check those out. And I encourage you to connect with her on social media as well. All that is found at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 431 for episode 431. There you'll also find a link to get on the notifications list for my next note-making mastery cohort, 
or you can go there directly right now, readtoleadpodcast.com slash list to put your name on the notifications list. And I want to say one last time, whether you're new here or whether you've been here for a while, thank you for supporting the Read to Lead podcast. Every time you download an episode, every time you listen to an episode, tell somebody else about the podcast, you're casting a vote for the show and letting me know to keep going. I really appreciate it because it wouldn't exist without you. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time as we begin year 10 of the Read to Lead podcast. Until then, as always, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.